what mother takes her kids out late at night in the dark for a sightseeing scenic drive on an abandoned road? What mother then stops to see what a man standing there would want? It's fall, y'all. I am so excited about fall. We are finally, finally fireside again on brand for fireside crime welcome to fireside crime i'm jennifer i'm cheyenne and we are pumped 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 our favorite season is quickly approaching it's um pretty close to fall right now it's pretty hot during the daytime still but oh still my gosh. a sweaty mess during the daytime oh yeah in the mornings though and the mornings and the evenings right now oh my gosh it feels so good Glorious. So good. It's our season. It's our time to shine. Spooky but, season's coming. Yeah, we've got a, a tiny little fire going. Nothing crazy. That's all right. It's not the size yeah, of the fire. I'm excited. Well, uh, this is a, a mini marshmallow. I have no idea which episode <laughs> it is. Um, let's, let's say four. That feels good. Mini marshmallow four. Four, but somewhere between four and eight. Yeah. Is this mini marshmallow. Yes. Uh, I have... A little beverage for us to try. It's a little unusual. I'm excited about it. It's a little unusual. So here you go. Tell the people what they want to hear about it. Look, I recognize this pitcher, all this can, right off. This is Miss Sherry Berry. The only woman I've ever truly, truly trusted in my life. Absolutely. Um, Anyone that lives in North Carolina knows Sherry Berry. Um, She, let's see, what was her position? Um, It's funny, though, because if you, well, she's the elevator lady of North Carolina. Yeah, that's all I know. That's the main thing. She signs off on all the elevators. (laughs) She does. She is the only really trustworthy person among us, and she... I think she retired. She did. I was real sad about I do not use any elevators now. Well, I don't think that's true. Uh, <laughs> I don't I don't know about her um, her successor though, Josh uh, Josh Dobson. No, no, I don't trust suspect. him. Do I not trust suspect. him. So uh, this is called Elevator Lady. Yeah, she was a member of the House of Representatives in the forty fifth district. Oh, okay. But cool. more importantly the elevator lady. This was brewed by the Unknown Brewing Company, which is located in Charlotte, North Carolina. Unknownbrewing.com. Never heard of them. They're unknown. Hey. <laughs> um, so it's like it's like an official certificate on this can. It says, this certifies that this is a delicious beer. Alcohol by volume, 5.7. A little lower than we're used to. Maximum capacity, 16 ounces. <laughs> Brewed at 1327 South Mint Street. Brewed by the Unknown Brewing Brew Squad. It's adorable. So if you're in Charlotte, go check them out, Unknown Brewing. So, I, I took it. I took it from a friend of ours. I believe it came from Andrew. Oh, cool. Uh, uh, so that's he's the real hero in this. Does he know that we took it? No, he will. He's oh okay. A listener of Fireside Crime. <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. Thank you very much for this. Beer. I don't actually know where it okay. came from, but I, I would guess it would be from him. So it says um, it's an L kettle soured with 
cherries and berries. Uh? Like sherry berry. Yeah, and I think it's called sherry's sherry cherries and berries. Yeah, cherries and berries. They probably can't use her likeness without paying oh, I'm her sure. for it. I'm sure. That is so cool. Okay, well, let's try it out. Let's crack her open. I brought two cups. We don't usually do sours, so it was kind of exciting. It's a nice crack. Nice crack you got there. I need you to smell it. Smells good. Uh, let's see. Yeah, if you'll pour those, I will silence my phone. <laughs> Just it kidding. goes off all day. She's very busy, very I'm popular. I'm very popular. She's nothing like the sound of pouring up here. All right. Random dogs barking in the neighborhood. You get it all. You really, it's a true ambiance when we get to be fireside. Oh, that's a really cool color. It's a beautiful berry-like color. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we don't usually do sours, but I thought that would be kind of fun because you might feel pretty sour at the end of this story. Oh. Sorry right, about let's it. try this thing. Yeah, that's a lot. I mean, I'm going to drink it. It could be a little more flavorful. Yeah. Like we I'm said, not mad at it. we're not super big fans of sour beer. Ooh. I could drink it, though. It's It doesn't even taste all that sour. Sour. We've had some. Yeah. Yeah. Some really terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty oh, terrible. yeah. No, even this one's. This one's. Yeah. I would give it. Let's see. Yeah. On the. We need like a meter. That's what we should have been doing this whole stinking time. On the Richter scale. Oh, that one's taken. Oh, is that earthquakes? I think so, yeah. Oh. Anyway, from one to ten. That's a high. Well, I was doing like one to five. Oh, okay. One to five. <laughs> five is the best beer of your life, and one is that god-awful hemp beer that we had that time. I'm going to say probably two and a half. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm not going to go out and buy it and drink it every day, but if it happens to be, if Andrew happens to bring it to a party <laughs> and, you know, I see it, I'll drink it. I'll give her a solid three. I'll give her a solid three. Yeah, I don't think I would buy it, but I would drink it again. Oh, absolutely. All right. You ready? I am ready. All right, here we go. So the story that I have to share with you is what I'm calling the case of the maternal monster. This isn't about Casey Anthony, is it? It's not. Good. Don't get me started. I'm in a good mood. Good. Having a nice time by the fire. Casey Anthony. Catch these hands. All right. Mostly because you're so into her. Like, you want her to be, like... I don't know. I'm just saying she's just got a photography business. If we ever decide to get married... <laughs> She could do our engagement photos. It will be a cold day. It will be a cold day that that happens. Either of those things, apparently. <laughs> All right. Elizabeth Diane Fredrickson Downs from Phoenix, Arizona, was born August 7th, 1955. She was sadly and allegedly sexually abused by her father at the age of 12. And by the age of 14, she had really broken out of her family's ultra-conservative values and began to rebel. She was one of four siblings. She struggled to fit in, as most of us do. Uh, she broke almost all the rules <laughs> that were set for her siblings, trying to set herself apart in school and kind of just in social circle in their church. She dropped her first name, Elizabeth, and began going by Diane. 
As she matured, she really began to come out of her shell and started getting attention of several neighborhood boys. She started going steady with a young man named Stephen Downs, who lived right across the road from her, despite the disapproval of her parents, and lost her virginity to him at the age of 16. Stephen made the decision to enter the Navy after high school, as did many young men at that time, and Diane attended Pacific Coast Baptist College. The plan was to remain faithful through the long distance, and only one year into their distant relationship, Diane broke that vow and was expelled from the college due to promiscuity. And of course, this is in the 1950s. I was like, how do they know? So, I mean, listen, I'm all for it. Get get y'all swerve on, girls. Get y'all swerve on. But, I mean, you know, rumors travel and nobody believes women. Well, that's true. That hasn't changed. Yeah. After Stephen returned home from the Navy, they reconciled and decided to get married. And despite the volatility of their relationship, Diane became pregnant with their first child, a daughter named Christy, in 1974. Like many relationships, which are built on the promise of being saved by a child, it wasn't going too well. Uh, but they welcomed second daughter Cheryl Lynn later that year. Stephen decided to get a vasectomy after the birth of their second child, uh, but Diane ended up getting pregnant again anyway. <laughs> and uh, sadly, um, well, I mean, I don't know if it was sadly, especially now in this case, but um, decided to have an abortion, which is usually a really tough decision for a woman to have to make. Oh, for sure. In 1978, the family decided to move to Mesa, Arizona, where Diane began numerous affairs with gentlemen in the area, again becoming pregnant for the fourth time, welcoming her first son, Stephen Daniel Danny Downs, in 1979. Now, Stephen, her husband, knew that the boy wasn't his, but decided to raise him alongside their his two biological children anyway. The following year, they had finally filed for divorce, and in the years following, Diane went in and out of different relationships and affairs with different men, while at the same time trying to reconcile with Stephen. You'll see that there's a pattern of craziness happening here. I'm starting to notice. <laughs> in an attempt to secure money for herself, she signed up to be a surrogate, but was unable to be selected due to failing two different psychological exams, one of which stating her emotional psyche was that of a psychopath. Years later, she would be found as able to carry, so she accepted $10,000 per baby that she would birth. I don't have a record of how many children she ended up giving birth to. Wow. In 1981, she secured a job as a postal character, character carrier for the USPS. And during the time she was working, her children either stayed with Stephen or with her parents. While she worked... But when they were with her, people would often say that the children looked sad or scared, underfed, begging for food, or dirty. Cheryl Lynn even told a neighbor friend once that she was afraid of her mother. Diane soon fell for a fellow co-worker, a married man named Robert Nick Knickerbocker. She said that he was the man of her dreams and begged him regularly to leave his wife and be with her. Now, what's one thing we know for show? They're never going to leave their wife. They ain't never leaving their wife. That's right. Okay. Never. All right. They're not leaving their wives, y'all. If you think he's leaving his wife? He's not. Nick ended up ending their relationship to work on things with his wife because of feeling smothered by Diane's constant request for them to be together. 
Diane became obsessed with Nick and wrote to him endlessly, and he tried on numerous occasions to end the communication with her until it finally came to blows, and he told her that he was not interested in, quote, playing daddy to her three kids. Dang. This was the final straw for Diane. On May 19th, 1983, Diane pulled up to the ER, local ER, and was hysterically screaming that her and her three children had been shot multiple times at close range. Okay. Mm -hmm. They were all covered in blood, and upon getting them admitted to the hospital, discovered that Cheryl Lynn was dead on arrival. Christy was near death, rushed into surgery, and suffered back-to-back strokes, ending up in a coma. And Daniel's wounds to his spine rendered him paralyzed from the waist down. So the doctors and nurses are realizing that the severity of the wounds of the family aren't exactly adding up as Diane only had a small wound or arm and the children had come in in such grave condition. When questioned about what happened, Diane said that she had pitched, picked up a hitchhiker while her kids were all asleep in the back seat and that the hitchhiker turned on them, shooting them all. She fought him off and while she told the story, she seemed eerily calm and collected for someone who's just fought off a hitchhiker who's almost killed her three children and her. Right, right. The detectives questioning her began putting the details together. Who would be driving down a deserted desert highway in that area with their three sleeping children in the back and then just decide to pick up a hitchhiker? And if she was so panic-stricken and getting her kids to the hospital, she managed to do a really good job wrapping up the wound on her own arm but wasn't able to treat the wounds of her kids. Mm-hmm. When the story hit the local news circuits, citizens were divided. Was a murderous man on the loose? Or could a mother have done the unthinkable? A manhunt begins for the shooter, and when nothing turns up to indicate the whereabouts of the supposed madman, police turn their attention to Diane, who was so unaffected by the state of her children, she actually giggled at the opportunity to show the police a reenactment of what she said happened. started the car and left. The car door shut itself. Whoa. Now, when they started looking into just kind of her life and her background, uh, they found that she owned a 22 caliber gun that she neglected to tell the police about. And this just so happened to be the same caliber bullet that killed, uh, that killed Cheryl Lynn and graviously injured her other two children. And guess what else they found? One of my favorite things. That they always find when someone decides to go on a killing spree. A a diary. Oh, oh my God. You know, I love when they find a journal or a diary. <sighs> Stop writing in diaries. Y'all keep keeping diaries. God dang. Just use adult coloring books like the rest of us. <laughs> so, of course, you know, they find this diary. And what's it doing? It's outlining basically a motive... <laughs> To kill her children to gain the affection of her beloved Nick. Kids are out of the picture. She gets her man. Everybody wins. Wow. Except them kids. The kids are not winning. So while all this happened, what's she do? She goes on an interview circuit. Sure. <laughs> so she's starting to do interviews. This yeah. poor grieving mother. Yeah. We were just out, I guess, sightseeing, I guess you'd say. And the kids got tired. They fell asleep in the car. So I decided to just head on home. But I saw a road I hadn't been on before. We liked to take back roads and just went down that road. And there was a guy standing in the road flagging me down. So I stopped. 
If I had shot my own children, would I not have done a good job of it? Why would I have taken my kids to the hospital? Wouldn't I have made sure they were dead and then cried crocodile tears? That's insane to think that I would do such a thing and then bring the, the witnesses in against myself. That's crazy. Christy woke up, and as I say, she may be the only one to get me out of this. Would I have brought her to the hospital? Wouldn't she be the one that I would make sure is dead? There are too many holes in it. When this man shot my daughter, my first reaction was to snap back to my childhood, to the pain that had happened to me back then, my marriage, my entrapment by society. This man was bigger than me. He was stronger than me. He had more power because he had a gun. And I stood there, and I looked at Christy reaching, and the blood that just kept gushing out of her mouth. And, and I, what do you do? Everybody says, you sure were lucky. Well, I don't feel very lucky. I couldn't tie my damn shoes for about two months. It is very painful. It is still painful. The scar is going to be there forever. I'm going to remember that night for the rest of my life, whether I want to or not. I don't think I was very lucky. I think my kids were lucky. If I had been shot the way they were, we all would have. Uh, about all the events, doing all this, she loses, ends up losing all public sympathy because they start to see her as a self-indulgent and selfish woman and not that of a grieving young mother. She then took the opportunity to announce that she was once again pregnant with yet another child because she missed her other children so much. Mm. On February 28th, 1984, she was arrested on one count of murder and two counts of attempted murder. It was an absolute circus. Most of her conviction rested on the shoulders of young Christy, who emerged from her coma. And once she recovered the ability to speak was able to recount in court how her mother shot all three of them while sitting on the side of the road and to make it seem believable, shot herself in the arm. Christy was nine years old when she faced her mother in court. A very pregnant Diane Downs was convicted on all charges and uh, convicted on all charges against her and sentenced to life plus 50. While in prison, she was diagnosed with multiple personality disorders and escaped from prison in July 1987. She was captured 10 days later, receiving an additional five years. And she's appealed for parole on and off. And, of course, it's consistently um, been de denied. Mm -hmm. She gave birth to her fifth child, who she names Amy Elizabeth, who was immediately adopted into a family in the area and renamed Rebecca. Rebecca tried some years later to have a relationship with her mother while in prison and later stated on the Oprah Winfrey show in 2020 that she regretted this decision, stating that, quote, her mother was simply a monster. Wow. That is crazy. You know who's not a monster? Sherry Berry. Keeping us safe oh, on the elevators Berry. for years. Absolutely. I know. That's how it comes full circle. The elevator lady of my dreams. Absolutely. Well, thanks for tuning in with us. Yeah. Fireside, finally, at the start of fall. We're so excited. We have some spooky tales coming your way. I've been working on a lot of different types of stories that I'm excited to share with you all. So as always, thanks for sitting fireside with us. We'd love it if you would let us know what you think about this episode uh, in a five-star review on iTunes. Um, Even if you hate it, just leave a five-star Yeah, don't tell anybody. No, I don't think we need anything from Lowe's. <laughs> Thanks, though. <laughs> and check us out and let us know what you thought about the story on our Instagram at Fireside Crime. Till next time, I'm Jennifer. I'm Cheyenne. Bye. See ya.